0: boys and girls, you can head out to Children's Church, if you will, ages four years old through the fourth grade. All boys and girls, ages four years old through the fourth grade, if you'd like to go to Children's Church. Good. We have just a few more quotes before we look at some Bible verses before we go this morning. Some of our presidents now, as we get a little bit closer to 2021, just a few of them. Herbert Hoover, our 31st president, just a short quote, he said, The study of the Bible is a postgraduate course in the richest library of human experience. The study of the Bible is a postgraduate course in the richest library, library of human existence. Franklin D. Roosevelt, our 32nd president, two quotes from President Roosevelt, We cannot read the history of our rise and development as a nation without reckoning with the place the Bible has occupied in shaping the advances of this republic. Where we have been the truest and most consistent in obeying its precepts, we have attained the greatest measure of contentment and prosperity. I want to read that again. That's a great quote. We cannot read the history of our true rise and development as a nation without reckoning with the place the Bible has occupied in shaping the advance of the Republic. Where we have been the truest and most consistent in obeying its precepts, we have attained the greatest measure of contentment and prosperity. He later said these words, No greater thing could come to our land today than a revival of the spirit of religion, a revival that would sweep through the homes of the nation, and stir the hearts of men and women of all faiths to to reassertion of their belief in God and their dedication to His will for themselves and for their world. I doubt if there is any problem, social, political, or economic, that would not melt away before the fire of such a spiritual awakening. Harry S. Truman, our 33rd president, The fundamental basis of this nation's laws was given to Moses on the mount. The fundamental basis of our Bill of Rights comes from the teachings that we get from Exodus and from St. Matthew, from Isaiah, and from St. Paul. If we do not have a proper fundamental moral background, we will finally end up with a totalitarian government which does not believe in the rights for anybody except the state. How's that for a timely quote? If we do not have a proper fundamental moral background, we will finally end up with a totally with a totalitarian government which does not believe in rights for anybody except the state. Dwight D. Eisenhower, our 34th president. The spirit of man is more important than mere physical strength and the spiritual fiber of a nation than its wealth. The Bible is endorsed by the ages. Our civilization is built upon its words. In no other book is there such a collection of inspired wisdom, reality, and hope. Then he said, Without God, there would be no American form of government, nor any American way of life. Recognition of the supreme being is the first and most basic expression of Americanism. Thus, the founding fathers of America saw it. And thus, with God's help, it will continue to be. And finally, I want to quote a couple of times from Ronald Reagan, our 40th president. He said, if we ever forget we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Once again, if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. He also said, Inside the Bible's pages lie the answers to all the problems that mankind has ever faced. I hope Americans will read and study the Bible. And then he said, Of the many influences that have shaped the United States into a distinctive nation and people, none can be said to be more fundamental and enduring than the Bible. Once again, Of the many influences that have shaped the United States into a distinctive nation and people, None can be said to be more fundamental and enduring than the Bible. As we heard the words of Benjamin Rush today to begin the message, one of the writers of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, as we have quoted some of these words of presidents down through the ages, I mean, surely we must be asking the question, you know, where are these men today? Where are men today that will stand up and in their speeches before election or after election in service, where will they say anything like we've, we've heard today? And I don't want to, I don't want us to go home today uh, saddened. I don't want us to go home discouraged or depressed or feeling like, you know, there's no hope. Uh, it's easy to feel like that, isn't it? Somebody this morning in Sunday school said, I don't listen to the news anymore. I thought, (laughs) I'm pretty close to that myself. I don't listen as much as I used to. And I don't want all of these quotes of Benjamin Rush and these presidents to to, to encourage us to leave today saying, you know, there's no hope for us. Nobody talks like that anymore. You know, America is gone. Because when I think about that, I think of Elijah. After his great victory on Mount Carmel with 450 prophets of Baal. And all the Israelites saying, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The very next chapter, where is Elijah? Where do we see him? Together out loud? Sitting under a juniper tree. What is he doing? Saying, God, take my life. He's depressed, obviously. He's in despair. And he says, God, just take my life. The best thing I can do is die. What does God say to Elijah? He said, wait a minute. Do you not know that I have reserved 7,000 prophets in Israel that have not bowed the knee to Baal? And God, through Paul, reminds us of that in the New Testament. God always has his remnant. God always has some true believers in the midst of perilous times. So we ought not leave today without hope. I want to share just a few verses before we go. Because if we're thinking that our leaders, we wished our leaders knew the Bible. We wished our leaders would decide things by their knowledge of the scriptures. We wished our leaders would believe right and do right because of what it says in the Bible. That's our prayer. That's our desire. Then we need to be honest and say, "Well, then, so how are we supposed to live? What are we supposed to do as we evaluate our country, as we look at our current situation, as we look at our leadership, how are we supposed to respond? What are we supposed to do? We want them to follow the Bible? Then we better follow the Bible. Amen? So just in closing, some simple things, just a summary of what should we remember from the scriptures as we think of our country today. Number one, we should remember that God is still ultimately in charge. Amen? Amen? He is sovereign over all. Anyone who is in power today is there only because God has allowed him to be there. It doesn't matter if it's president, vice president, senators, congressmen, governors of states, mayors of cities, council members in the little towns, whoever they are. Listen now, according to the Bible, anyone who's in any place of government leadership is only there because God has allowed him to be there. Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. Daniel chapter 5, verse 21. Listen to Daniel 5, 21. God rules in the kingdoms of men and appoints over it whomsoever he wills. Psalm 75, verse 7. God putteth down one and setteth up another. It is God who's in charge, really, of all elections, of all appointees. No one is in a place of leadership without permission from a sovereign, almighty, omniscient, all-powerful God. So no matter what situations we face, and I know we've heard this over and over again, but let it sink in this morning. No matter how we feel about things at any given time, we must remember behind it all, God is still alive. He's not dead. He knows what's going on. He is sovereign over all, and He puts up leaders, and He takes down leaders. Number two this morning, we should respect and honor our government's leaders. First Peter, chapter two, verse seventeen: Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God. Next three words: Honor the king. Same word, children. Obey your parents. In Lord for this is right, honor thy father and the mother. What does it mean? It means to consider very valuable, very precious, very special. God says we should honor the king. So we refrain from telling jokes about the present, even though we think they're funny, okay? We, we must, and we, and we don't honor a man because of his person. We honor a man because of his, you tell me, his position. Honor the king. Not because of his person, not because of his personality, not because of anything else. We honor the king because his position is a position that God has put them in. Number three, and it goes along with that. We submit. We must submit ourselves to our government's leaders and obey them. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well doing we may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. What do you say? Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Would you turn please to Romans chapter 13? Romans chapter 13. I could perhaps quote this chapter, but I don't want to take a chance. I think it'd be good. Somebody said, I brought my Bible to church and never opened it. Well, you're not going to say that now, okay? At least let's read this passage because this is a key passage. (coughs) on what does God expect of us? He expects submission. Why? Because the passage tells us, well, let's just read it. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. (coughs) For there is no power but of God. God's the key word in this passage, by the way, okay? And Don't forget, Paul is writing this under divine inspiration back when the Roman government was in charge and they were not promoting evangelism and believing on the Lord for salvation. They were not promoting. The Roman government did not promote living by the Old Testament scriptures. No. We know better than that. (coughs) And yet God says at that time, and for us today, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation or condemnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Why? For he is the minister, the servant of God, to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause also pay ye tribute, also pay your taxes. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. What did Jesus say as recorded in the Gospels, Matthew twenty-two twenty-one. 21? Render, therefore, unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render unto God the things that are God's. So we are to obey the rules of government, the laws of government, including paying our taxes. So important. There's only one exception, you know what it is. There's only one exception. When the higher authority, let's say the highest authority, God, commands something that is in contradiction to what man comes along and says, or let's turn it around, when man as a ruler says, You are commanded to do this, and what we listen and read says, wait a minute, now, what say if the scriptures we have a higher authority, our highest authority, God says we must do this. If we have to make a choice between what God says and man says, we must obey the highest power. The uh, Israelite mothers did that back in Exodus when they refused to to have their babies killed. Remember? Time of Moses' birth. Daniel and his friends did that in Daniel chapter 1. The three Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did that in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel did that again in Daniel chapter 6 when he prayed, although the king commanded no one to pray. Oh, Peter, James, Peter, and John did that in the book of Acts. Twice they said we ought to obey God rather than men. We've heard what you've said, but now this is what God said. So you're going to have to decide. We've already decided. We got to do, we've got to go with God. This is what God said. We, we can't obey you and disobey God. That's 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 God's word. But other than that, now, when there's no conflict. Even if we don't agree, we're to obey the law. Number four, we only have five. Number four, we should pray for government leaders. I think that's the key. And if, if I didn't have time to mention any other, and I could only pick one, this is the one that I would pick. Because we must pray for the leaders of our country. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. Listen carefully. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings... And for all that are in authority, why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. If you forget every other verse I read or quote this morning, let's not forget that one. That passage. I exhort therefore, I exhort therefore, that first of all, above all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority why that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty isn't that a concern today how long how long will we have religious freedom how long can we how long can we be free to worship god According to the Bible, without fear. We want to lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness. God says, okay, then pray for kings. Just pray for kings. You know Second Chronicles 7:14. If my people, can you say it with me? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, well, forgive their sins, I'll heal their land. What's the key? Praying. But notice, please, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and he doesn't stop there, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So living a righteous life has to accompany our praying. What did this psalmist say? If I regard a in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Psalm sixty-six, 6, eighteen. What did Isaiah say? The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it can't hear. What does he go on to say? The Lord Lord can't hear and answer your prayer because of the sins of your life. So we have to pray for our government. We have to pray for our leaders. But we have to live right while we pray right. And then finally, in closing, if you ever think about this, one of the greatest things we can do in our country right now, win people to Jesus Christ. If we want people to be in power who are Christians and understand and live by the Bible, they're going to have to be saved before they get into power. Amen? When people go to the polls to vote, if we want them to pray for the right people to get in office, then we we have to, these people have to be saved. Why? 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural man, the unsaved man, understandeth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Unsaved people are not going to understand the Scriptures. So they don't know right from wrong. And they can vote for people who are entirely opposed to the scriptures and think this is the best candidate. We need to get people saved. Not only saved so they can vote right. Not only saved so that one day as they're in office, they can decide right. But get people saved so they won't go to hell when they die. It's not really a patriotic verse, but I thought about it several times this week. Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost said to the people of Israel, "Save yourselves from this untoward generation." Well, that's a that's a verse. "Save yourself from this wicked and perverse generation." Most of the people in our country today are not too interested in church. They're not too interested in the Bible. They don't really care much about Jesus and God. They say the phrase, oh, my God, hundreds of times, but they have no clue what's coming out of their mouth. They have no idea that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. They've never heard the verse, and if they've heard it, they don't understand it. And if they do understand it, they've chosen not to believe it. Lost, condemned, on the way to an eternal hell, Without Jesus Christ. And God says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Let's bow our heads, please, in prayer. As we pray for our country, as we pray for our leaders, let us never forget to thank God for our country. Let us praise Him for the privilege we have of having the heritage that we have as America, let us thank God for our founding fathers in what they believed, what they said as this nation was born. Let us thank God for preserving our country all these years. And let's not be discouraged, let's not be in despair, let us not feel hopeless. Let's remember to do simply do what God in His Word tells us to do as citizens of this great country. Our Father, we thank You today for the United States of America. We have no idea how many even of these presidents that we quoted this morning were truly born again. How many of them understood the meaning of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, Your Son? How many of them trusted Him personally in faith believing but we read what they said and father i thank you for that that they had some knowledge of the scriptures they believed in the authority of the bible and the benefit of reading the bible and seeking to follow the bible your word i pray today for our leaders from our top leader president Biden, all the way down to the council people in the towns and cities, even represented here today. Those who are saved, Father, give them conviction and courage to stand for the truth and to speak to their friends and those with whom they serve. Tell them of Christ, the gospel, tell them of the scriptures. And Father, for these who are not saved, many, most, I'm sure, that they might hear. The plan of salvation, for faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. May somebody tell them the simple gospel story. Would you open their heart? Their hearts, as you open the heart of Lydia, as Paul gave her the truth, as she attended to the things that were spoken and received Christ. I pray you would give wisdom and direction to our country's leaders. I pray, Father, that you would bring salvation, therefore, to those who are not saved. And may we as a people live righteously before you. As we continue to look to you, Father, may we pray in faith believing, expecting you to answer our prayers. For the effectual, fervent, righteous, a prayer of a righteous man avails much. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, please, this morning.